0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And I want to take a little minute, a little time here to thank everybody yesterday who who uh, met with me at San Jose. As you know, I was in San Jose all day yesterday, talking with people, uh, and it was kind of interesting. I, I always enjoy it because everybody has such interesting stories about their lives and where they're going financially, where they've been. It's kind of it's kind of fun, really, for me, anyways. But I, I want to thank everybody who who, who uh, met with me yesterday. I appreciate that. And, of course, you guys who didn't meet with me, you're welcome to call and ask your investing questions. We do this every day, Monday through Friday, same hour, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Been doing it for 20-plus years. Now, uh, when you do call, of course, you are driving the show. You're taking it to places you want it to go. It's a financial show, so we got to stay within the financial sphere. I don't want to get into any other kinds of... Topics, financial sphere. And of course, uh, my goal here is to help you reach that goal of financial freedom. So, that my goal is to teach. Today, we had a class. I had a class at Talk Academy, uh, and uh, it was all about inflation, deflation, and stagflation. And it really is interesting to refresh my memory and knowledge of those topics, where they came from and stuff. I remember, I I don't think I've ever been in an environment, grew up in an environment of uh, deflation, but stagflation, yes, definitely stagflation. Anyways, that was an interesting topic, but you drive the show to whatever topics you want to talk about. As long as it's financial, I'm up for it. So, and I'll do my best to answer all your financial questions. And we'll do this together. We'll take one step at a time. We'll get to that financial freedom goal. We can. So, you got to call, though. 888-99-CHARGE. My number, 888-992-4278. Now, my main talking point today. Feds are blocking tax breaks of charitable donations. What? That sounds unusual, doesn't it? The IRS and the Treasury have issued final rules blocking attempts by certain states to work around the new cap for state and local tax deductions. Remember the remember the uh, the uh, tax law that was passed not that long ago, and it benefited m- most people in the Midwest and uh, the lower uh, lower cost areas. But on the coast, the high cost areas, it, it hurt them because it took away some of the tax benefits of a property taxes that you're paying. So uh, some states try to get around that. And the IRS, and we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's very interesting. I thought it was very interesting today. Anyways, why should, we're also going to talk about why should people, why do not they, why are they, won't buy a house? Why do some people won't buy a house? What is in their thinking? Why, why are they not? Because I don't know, you've heard me talk about it, but the, 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 uh, millennials have been postponing been postponing buying a house. Of course, they also have been postponing foreign families, but there are just groups of people who don't want to buy a house. Why? They can afford it. They just don't want to. Also, um, I don't know if you saw after hours, Blue Apron did a reverse split, a reverse split. Do you know what splits are? Do you know what reverse splits? Why would they do that? Why would they do a reverse split? So I'm going to make sure we all understand that. And I also want to talk about the yield curve. I, I know I've been talking about it more and more often because of it's getting close to, uh, it's been squeezing, squeezing, and squeezing. So I want to talk about that a little bit and why the Fed might be cutting rates, why the experts think that. So that's what I plan to talk about today. But, of course, you come first. As I said, the number, listener line number is 888 chart Serena in Napa Valley. How you doing? Or in Napa. How you doing, Serena?
2: Hi. I'm a younger person.
1: Okay. I
3: recently worked at a job where they offered me um, the benefit of having a 401k plan and company stock. Great. Um, however, I've um, left that company in order to pursue higher income so I could support myself a little better.
1: Oh, that's always a good thing.
3: Yes. And now I have these teeny little balances, and I'm not sure if it would be uh, beneficial to me to keep it. Roll it over, get a check, or what I should do?
1: Do not get a check, okay? Because okay. then you'll have to pay taxes on it immediately, and you probably got a higher-paying job, so you might be in a higher higher tax bracket. You don't definitely don't want to pay taxes on it. When you say teeny, are you talking about under thousand dollars? Yes, I've got
3: about five hundred in four hundred and one k, and about three hundred
2: in the company stock.
1: Okay, the company stock is that in the four hundred and one k? Looks like it. If it's inside the 401k, I would probably sell those stock, and I'd roll that 401k into an IRA. Okay. It's very simple to do. You can go to a bank, you can go to Schwab, you can go to Fidelity, you can go to almost any one of those and say, Hey, I have a 401k, I'd like to roll into an IRA, and they'll, they'll go out of their way to help you. Does
2: it cost anything to do that?
1: Free. Well, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the 401k people charge like thirty bucks or fifty bucks, but most of them do not. It's generally free. Okay. Okay. Then, once in the IRA, you can put it in a money market. You can buy a mutual fund with it. You can add to it up to four thousand dollars a year. And if you're young, and you do sound young, it would be mm-hmm. wise to add to it. Does the new company offer 401k?
2: Um, no, not
1: yet. Okay. So then I'd roll it into an IRA, move it out from where it is today, and just you can go to the bank and put it there if you wanted to.
2: Okay.
1: You know, use CDs. But don't take it because, you know, this is your retirement. You're going to build it over the years to come.
0: Okay. Perfect. Thank you for for calling.
1: Thank you. Our Invest
0: Talk mission. Is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs-up or thumbs-down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com.
1: Bill in San Francisco. How are you doing, Bill? I've heard you talk about annuities. I ran across a
3: new one which I've never heard of before. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I'm not, so I'd like to get your pros and on it, please. Okay. That's what equity index annuity.
1: Think about what they're doing. An equity index annuity, everybody, is an annuity. An annuity. It's an insurance product in which they take your money that you invest, and they invest it in, in an index. Now, they usually tell you which index. It will be the S&P 500, or did they specify? Yeah,
3: there's different ones. I think
1: okay. one they use as a cap was S&P 500. Yeah, that's one of the most popular ones. Okay. So what they do is they take the money. And they give you an equity index annuity, and they also guarantee a return, usually 3 to 5%. I don't know what this one did, Bill, but they usually do guarantee a return. The problem you have with this is that annuities charge anywhere from 2 to 3% annual costs. What are they doing okay. with that annuity? They're buying an index with it. They know that they index over a long period of time. And remember, they're tying you up in an annuity for 7 years or 10 years, depending on the length of the annuity. So they know over that period of time, the index will return approximately 10% annually. So they know, because they're smart people, their odds are with them, the probabilities are with them that they'll get 10% of return. So they guarantee you three without too much trouble, and then they can charge high fees for holding the annuity for you. So they make lots of money on the fees, therefore reducing your ultimate gain, because you can't You've got to pay the fees out of the return you're getting. It's a very good deal for the insurance company. They love these. Well, the way they pitched it to me was that
3: if you make money, they take a piece of the action and you get money. But if the index goes down, you don't lose from that. They then index you down the next year Mm -hmm. at the lower rate, but you still have the same amount of money as before.
1: That's right. Then this one is promising you. Remember, I told you they always promise you a return. This one is just promising you'll never go down. Right. Th- that's not as good as others I've heard. Mm. Others I've heard, they promise you at least a small return every year. Uh. Don't think this is something great for you. It's not.
3: <laughs> Do they still have the mortality rates and the uh, all the other fees in there?
1: Not usually. Again, these are very complex insurance contracts. They're hard to understand. Trust me. I've read them. I used to be in the insurance business. They're very difficult. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you this. In general, the person who's making the most money is the insurance company. I don't want to say that you won't do well. You can do well, but you can do better if you take the same amount of money put it in an equity index yourself and then uh, take some of that money and maybe buy a CD with it and spread the risk around or something and you'll do better. They just give you that comfort of knowing they guarantee that you will never lose. Everybody loves that word, guarantee. Good luck, Bill. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 chart and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Okay, how about some uh, some news items, some business news items. I always talk about business news here unless it's political news that affect business and then I'll talk about that too. Restoration Hardware symbol RH Rage's forecast and the stock was trading much higher, up 24%. Okay, Restoration Hardware, you know, that's that high priced retailer that specializes in home furnishings. Have you seen their catalogs? Have you been to one of their stores? It's kind of a neat, kind of places. Uh, they have implemented a luxury strategy, which actually I think is pretty smart. Luxury. I mean, why not go after the people that have money, right? The company was founded in 1979 in Eureka, California. I've been to Eureka once, when I was 19. It's on the coast, way above San Francisco—100, 200, 300 miles above San Francisco. People think San Francisco is, you know, at the top of northern of California. No, it's in the middle of the state. Everybody forgets about northern California. San Francisco is not northern California. It's only north of L.A. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, uh, Eureka is in northern California. Anyways, Restoration Hardware. They they even opened up a, a, a what they call a, a scaled down version of their you know, luxury little doodads, and this is for the small living spaces. Have you seen those small houses. They people are living in those old tiny mobile houses or whatever you call them. I don't know anyways it's funny they they restoration hardware is targeting that business with some fancy fancy uh, hardware you know knobs and things for cabinets kind of interesting anyways anyway restoration hardware is doing pretty good really doing pretty well um, oil today did you see the news with the the uh, two oil tankers on fire and of course there's all that political thing? So oil, you would think that oil's near fifty-three dollars a share. I mean, you have the Strait of Hormuz, which is a choke point, being attacked by whoever, and you would think that would be extremely scary for the oil market. And so oil prices, which are priced internationally in dollars, right, our dollars. You would think that that would jump oil prices tremendously. And if it would happen 10, 15 years ago, it would have. Five years ago, 10 years. But today it was like the oil market went ho-hum, who cares? Why is that? Why did they not worry about it? I mean, why didn't our markets care, care about them? Maybe because we're very close to oil independence and maybe because we're the largest producer of oil now. And we don't have those kinds of problems, maybe because we're less dependent on that Middle East. I think that's a good thing. Now, it doesn't mean oil won't go up if there's a big problem in the Middle East because they, they supply a big chunk of oil around the world. But I thought that was interesting. Rea- I thought it was interesting, the reaction to it, not much reaction to it in the market. Yeah. so I thought that was uh, something we should share. This is Invest Talk everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. And if you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you have heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance. How much risk can you handle in the market? And as a first step of building that, figuring that out, you need to define what risk that you are willing, what your comfort zone is. Well, how do I do that? Well, we have an easy way to calibrate that. You, you, to calibrate your own personal risk tolerance, it's free. It's an online tool at InvestTalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. It's a questionnaire, a very short questionnaire. So go to InvestTalk.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Good afternoon,
3: Steve and Justin. This is Zach from New York. I uh, appreciate the show and thank you for sharing your experience. Uh, my question for you today is in regards to mandatory 401k distributions and rolling them over into another uh, retirement account, such as an IRA. Uh, My father is 71, uh, and he has probably like two different retirement accounts, and he is still working and contributing to one right now. Um, So he will have to be taking out of them soon. Um, So my question to you is he'd like to roll them over, his distributions over into an IRA with um, different beneficiaries. And I was curious what the tax implications of that action were, for the beneficiaries of that IRA or uh, other retirement account. Thanks for the podcast, and I look forward to hearing your answer soon.
1: Okay, so of course, there is no tax implications for him as he owns those uh, retirement accounts, and he can combine them, roll them over into a rollover IRA. Now, you as a beneficiary or whoever the beneficiary are, nothing happens until he passes away, of course, and then as a beneficiary, you will get the IRA, and it'll be a beneficiary IRA, okay? At that point, you are required to start taking distributions, uh, and there's a couple of ways you can do it. One, and, and this is not my area of expertise, so I apologize for that, but I know there's two ways. One, you could take the money all at one time, but then you'll be taxed on it, but you can also spread it out. And I think there's two ways that you could spread it out so you don't take it all at one time, so you don't have to pay taxes all at one time. One is over a number of years, you set the time period. And I think the other one is based on your your age. But you got to take it sooner than you would your, your normal IRA. So it's an inherited IRA, and it's different. If it goes to his wife... then it's based on her age and so on and so forth she just it just becomes her ira but as a beneficiary other than his wife it's different so you need to talk to a task guy that knows this the cpa type person knows this better than i do i just know that that exists good question though good thought
0: do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART,
1: 888-992-4278. My main talking point today concerns the story of the Fed's blocking the tax break. Now, the Fed, what we're talking about is... The the, the the tax law that was implemented oh, not that long ago, okay, a couple of years ago, and what it did is it limited to $10,000 uh, 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 that was a cap for state and local tax deductions. So if your property tax was under $10,000, you, know, you got to take the whole benefit, right? But people like us here in California and those people in maybe New York State – you know, the, the, the property tax or, you know, maybe Boston area, You know, there's many areas. Property taxes are much higher than 10000 so we were capped at 10000 So, some states trying to get around it. And I've noticed that you cannot get around paying taxes. You cannot bring, come up with rules or laws or regulations to just to avoid paying taxes in many situations. So... The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, limited the captives at $10,000. The Treasury and IRS issued a final rule on Tuesday to address the workarounds, largely putting all these workarounds, these new charitable funds, out of business, really. Okay, and it also dampens pre-existing charitable tax credits programs in 33 other states. So what happened is these states... Pass legislation that will allow municipalities to create charitable funds to pay for their local services and offer property tax credits to incentivize homeowners to give to the charitable funds. So, so the taxpayers could write off the charitable the giving the charitable deductions on their federal income tax rate return. So the city of the state, whoever did it would pay, you know, could c- collect money, okay, and you could write this off, your property tax, and it's kind of a way to try to get around avoiding the caps. So the IRS and the federal government said, no, I don't think so. Uh, they said that the, the, the state and, and or local tax credit Uh, is not, is, is a contribution would constitute a quid pro quo as opposed to actually giving to charity, which is true. You cannot get, you know, so it's not a charity thing just because the city or state's paying, you know, using that money in, in lieu of property tax to do whatever they want to do with it. It, it, you could tell it kind of stunk from the very beginning. So they just got rid of that. So, uh, I find it fascinating. I noticed that the states were like New Jersey and Massachusetts and New York and Connecticut. You know, I don't understand. Didn't those people, they, they want to pay taxes, right? No. Just like everybody else. We all try to pay as little as, we want to pay our share, but we'll pay as little as possible. But you can't get around it. was that old saying? Death and taxes. Can't never avoid death and taxes can't do it on tomorrow best talk in may u.s import prices had the largest drop in five months the decline in the cost of goods is a latest indication of mutual and inf- muted muted inflation we had the number cpi cpi ppi on one tenth of one percent we have no inflation we're going to talk about that tomorrow give me a call 888 chart
4: From sunrise to sunset.
5: Hi Steve, this is Carol in Alabama.
4: From dusk till dawn. Hey guys, it's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here.
3: I'm calling from the Chicagoland area.
4: From Newport, Kentucky. Invest Talk listeners have one objective.
3: This is Frank from the Bay Area.
4: Financial freedom.
3: I had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond
5: Market Index Fund.
4: How they get there and when they get there is up to them.
5: My question today is about diversification.
4: But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance.
3: I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom.
4: Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on
1: the next Invest Talk. 888 992 4278 Let's talk to Gene, our friend Gene in North Carolina. How are you doing, Gene?
5: Thanks for taking my call, Steve. I want to comment about uh, the topic you had about the uh, state income tax and the old law versus the no. new law about writing it off on your federal tax. That's
1: right. The cap? Yeah, yeah the $10,000 cap.
5: Yeah, I, I'm actually in favor of that. I, I Having the cap, I think is it was actually very unfair to the federal government that they allowed people to write off their state income tax. That it actually incentivizes... The state to raise their taxes and and have an out, saying, "Oh, you can deduct it from your your, your probably, federal tax, and you uh, and uh, you won't pay as much." I'm gonna, and,
1: I know, Gene, uh, well, I'm gonna probably shock you. I, I'm the one that got penalized by this because my 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 property tax is uh, eighteen thousand dollars a year, and I'm gonna agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. So here, you know, it's costing me a fortune, right? But I think it's you're absolutely right. I think I think it's unfair. I thought Here's it was the shocking unfair. Part th- of it.
5: Imagine that your state raises, raises your your property tax or your income tax from one year to the other. You make the same amount of money from one year to the other. So you pay you pay a little bit more, but you don't pay as much as you could under the old law, you could deduct it. But what happens is the federal government they didn't change their tax rate, but they gain they gain less money. They get less federal Income tax from you because you had a big de- bigger
1: right. deduction. Yeah, I know. So, I know. So I, I think more, you're right. I think it was unfair.
5: With the old rule, I think this is a The fairer... less money the federal government made on your same, on your same income.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane, good point. I appreciate the call. Thank you. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking that. You know I you know the the high tax states were you know uh, the people who live there, which I am one of them, were kind of taking advantage of, of everybody else in the country. so that law, the, the new law kind of never makes it a fair and play, fair playing field, but it made a it fairer playing field. Thanks, Gene, appreciate it. Let's go to Farhan in San Jose. Hi Duvon. I'm good, Steve.
5: Thank you for your show. Um, I had a question on treasury bills. Um, While I'm moving to cash, uh, as I'm moving out of the market into cash, I was wondering, uh, rather than parking into money market funds, does it make sense to purchase short-term T-bills like four weeks and eight weeks and ladder them out?
1: Actually, it does. Because remember, the interest you make on those are tax deductible on treasuries, Right. So you might get less interest, but if your income tax is high, you might might want the tax benefit. So, um, and of course, a treasury, a one year, one month, two months, three months, six months, one year, two year, five year, ten year, and thirty year, uh, those things that they pay less interest, but it's one hundred percent guaranteed safe. So you know, there's there's that there are benefits. Uh, if you buy um, if you buy U.S. government treasuries, the interest you make on them are federal tax free. There's you don't have to count that as income. So yeah, there, there's, there's reasons to do it. It depends on your personal circumstances, but yeah. Okay, fine. appreciate the call. Thank you. 99 chart everybody on top of uh, let's see. Now, there was a new report here. Amazon has now surpassed Apple and Google as the world's most valuable brand, Amazon. Notice that Apple, Amazon, Google, they're all fighting, right? I mean, they're all trying to get that brand name. Okay, of the top 10 brands, five or six technology names are undoubtedly on that list, right? And, of course, investors want to know, that brand prominence can be used to monetize profits make money, okay? Make more money, your brand. And, and thus increase the stock value. Of course, that all everybody wants to. So ex- Amazon is an extremely competitive player in many, many business types of businesses. We all know that. So what does this mean for you as an investor? Well, you gotta think about it. Amazon is doing very, very well. Now don't always you know, everybody thinks that if, if Amazon got in your business of your wherever whoever you are, if it got into competing with you, you have to have a plan to compete with Amazon. And of course, I've mentioned, you know, well, Walmart and 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 Target and various others have you know, have a plan. But don't think that amazon is going it is as interesting a business that it's just going to take over because that's not the case i'll give you a case in point amazon has retreated from the food delivery business you now maybe that's going to help uber eats uber eats right they've they've amazon's not dominating that and they're having a struggle with that with their food delivery business. What is who's competing with that? Well, look at what Walmart does. They'll deliver it to your house. Remember the article I mentioned last week where I, not only will Walmart deliver food to your house, they'll go in your house and put the food away in the refrigerator or wherever it needs to be if you want them to. They're testing that. Deliver the food and put it in your <laughs> in your cupboards. <laughs> and then, I think that's pretty funny. Anyways, I don't know if I want somebody in my refrigerator. But I'm just saying, Amazon doesn't always win everything. Now, since we're talking about food, um, let's talk about Blue Apron. You know who Blue Apron is? Well, food, food delivery per company, right? And they're a public company. I don't really want to talk about Blue Apron, but they announced that they're after hours tonight that they're going to do a reverse split. One for 15, reverse split. Do you know what splits are, regular splits, and what a reverse split is? If a regular split, a stock split, they are called stock split. They What happens in a regular split is your stock, you own a, pair, a share of stock, and if the company announces a split – And I'm going to give you the most simple example because it's just easy to follow. Let's say the company, uh, your stock, you have a stock and it's trading for $100 a share. And the company says, we're going to do a two-for-one split. What that means is they're now going to give you another share. You're going to have, for every share you have, you're now going to have two shares. And they're going to cut the price in half. So instead of one share at $100, you'll have two shares at $50 each. So they cut the price out. So it actually does not increase the price of your holdings. It doesn't do a darn thing to increase the price of your holdings, except the perception is that their stock splits are good because when the stock price goes up and up and up and up, they split it to drive the price down a little bit to be more liquid, and then they have more shares out there in the float. That's all good news, and it kind of helps boost the stock price. A reverse split is just the opposite. It's kind of, you know, people don't kind of like it. So the blue apron is doing it one for 15. So if you have 15 shares, now you're going to have one share and the price is going to be up. Now, the problem is, is that's kind of viewed as negative. And so all, after hours, the stock was actually trading down 10% because of that. So 11%. So, because it's negative perception of what's happening, people don't like it. Investors don't like it. Now, why would they do a reverse split? Well, to be trading on the exchanges, whether it's the New York or the NASDAQ, you have to have a certain price. You can't, I think think that the New York Stock Exchange is, I want to say it's $5 a share. It's got to be $5 a share or higher. And in the NASDAQ, I think it's $2 or higher to be on the exchange. So if your stock price goes below that and stays below that, they'll make you do things like a reverse split to get the price up. So they can't leave it that low. Now, I don't know the actual rules, uh, what the actual price is these days. Is it $5 on the Dow? Maybe someone out there knows. I could look it up, I suppose. Uh, and $2 on the NASDAQ? Cause, um, you, you know, and don't think that stocks don't go below those numbers. They do, but they have to make an effort to get it back up, and the, the exchange will take action if they don't. Anyways, exchanges have rules to to be, you know, that you have to comply with. Isn't that interesting? 88899 charters our number everybody. We're live. 8889924278.
4: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure They are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California, to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-99-CHART is our number, 888 well, 992 Let's go to San Francisco and talk to Jose. How are you doing, Jose? Thanks for calling. Uh, as far as
2: bonds go, if a company goes on, they hold priority as far as getting paid out over common shareholders, correct? Correct. So there's less risk technically than a shareholder?
1: Much less risk than a shareholder.
2: And what about a preferred, where do they stand?
1: They're after bonds. Number first in line is secured holders. And they could be higher than bond holders. But bonds are considered secured too. There's several categories. There's secured holders, bond holders, preferred stocks, and then common stocks. So in a liquidation, that's the order of who gets what money. Okay. Uh, If you don't mind, Jose, I'm going to expand on that idea a little bit. So when you buy a bond and the company goes under and it liquidates it, what Jose is saying is that, well, wait a minute, if I have a bond, don't I get the assets of the company? Yes, you're one of the first ones in line to get some of the assets of that company. Doesn't mean that if you bought $10,000 worth of bonds, you'll get $10,000 worth of assets. Uh, it might mean you will get 50%, 75%, but yours is first before the common stockholders. They're usually the common stockholders get zip, nothing. Bondholders used to get something, and then that goes right to the book value of the company. If the company was a good, solid company, you'd probably get all your money if it filed bankruptcy. But of course, it probably wouldn't file bankruptcy if it was that solid. All
5: right, thank you, buddy.
1: Thank you. Let's go to Pete in Corda Madeira. Hi, Pete. Thanks for calling.
2: I have a question, and it has to do with valuation. Uh-huh. A lot of times, when you give a value of a stock, you'll say, okay, you do this, do that, and you end up with $50. Yes. And then you'll say, well, it's trading for $32. Right. Or it's trading for $36. And usually it's not just below valuation which you give it, but it's well below the value that you give it.
1: Sometimes, yes.
2: Why is that?
1: Well, we have numbers that we evaluate. We use different factors to come to a value on every stock that we bought. So it's not always the value is higher. No. Mm -mm.
2: When you say it's worth $50. Uh Uh-huh. Does that mean that there's a chance that it's going to actually
1: sell for that price? What we're saying when we say this is a value, we're looking out at the future about 12 months down the road, and we say sometime in the next 12 months, it probably is going to sell for this number.
2: When you say that, that means when it's below, that's what you want.
1: That's exactly right.
2: So if you're selling for 30 bucks, but then a lot of times I've
1: heard you say, Mm -hmm. get out. That's right. Remember, there's two basic ways to look at stocks. There's the fundamental way, and fundamentals are earnings, earnings growth, earnings per share, return on equity, book value... Those kinds of numbers, earnings yield and growth to P/E, those are the fundamentals of a company. And based on the fundamentals, we determine or derive at a value of the company. Then the other way to look at stocks is technical, looking at charts. Right. So when I look at a chart, I see that maybe the value is 50 bucks, but I don't think it's going to make it right now. Right now, I think it's overbought or oversold. It looks like it's hitting support or resist. That's chart reading. So when I say I would probably sell it, I'm reading. In a chart that says this stock is starting to look like it's heading down. So, lock in your profits and buy it back some other time. Could
2: head up later, but it's at this point, because of just the way the stock is doing, that's right. It's
1: a loser. At least for a short-term period, it looks like it's going to be a loser.
2: But valuation—that's a fundamental, right?
1: That, that's a fundamental. Correct.
2: That, that's a fundamental. Okay. Fundamental. I got you. Thank you.
1: People are finally beginning to realize that Facebook's product is them—the users, you. You are their product. Facebook harvests terabytes of data of, of, of their users, how they behave. And I actually have this in the newsletter this week. It's under uh, Mark, uh, uh, Consumer Watch, okay? Uh, the information about you, they sell it. They sell that information. They grab all that information, everything you th- think you do pictures you take uh uh, websites youtube videos you watch any any, anything and everything they grab all that information okay they don't care they're not interested about your privacy that's not it's not a, a concern of theirs no now the the stock is trading flat but at some point they're they're, they're, they're they're attracting regulations, okay? We see it. You've seen it on TV. Experts are forecasting that the federal government will be driven to intervene with regulations, not only on Facebook, but everybody else. They think, you know, they, whatever they regulate, they're going to apply to everybody, not just Facebook. Facebook is just the target because they're letting themselves be the target, I mean, they've done things that, you know, with privacy concerns. Did you know that the United States has probably the weakest privacy laws of any country in the world? (laughs) I don't know, but the other countries enforcing them, but we have weak laws. Europe has much better laws and enforce them. So we are weak when it comes to privacy. They're the new big brother. They are the big brother, not government necessarily, even though government does, you know, can do that too. But I thought that was interesting. This is the Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. And of course we have one goal here, only one goal, and that's to help you become financial financially free. That means have plenty of money to do whatever you want to do and not what you have to do. So we continue. Get your questions in now. 888 99 chart.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest
1: Talk. Jason, San Diego, how are you doing Jason? Good, good. I recently changed jobs
3: and I rolled my 401k over into a IRA mm-hmm. and it's got about $14,000 in it and that's about all the investments that I have. Now I'm wondering what do I do with it? It's not really enough money that I feel like I should invest in individual stocks. Do I buy a mutual fund or a couple mutual funds? Or what do I do with about $14,000?
1: You buy several mutual funds, not one, not two. Maybe at $14,000, I would probably buy maybe four. Okay. 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 If you're in a 401k, you may not have very many choices, though.
3: Well, I rolled it over into an IRA now that I changed jobs.
1: Okay, okay. Well, that's why I'm
3: wondering, what do I do? I only had limited choices before.
1: Right, okay. And
3: now uh, it's wide open.
1: Okay. I would roll it over into either Fidelity Investments, you know, all the Fidelity Mutual Funds. They have a program, a no-load, no-transaction-fee program over there where you can buy any no-load mutual fund, not just Fidelity, all Uh of them. And so does Schwab. They have what's called a Schwab One program that does the same thing. I'm not pushing one company over another. I don't, yeah, you know, I don't have an axe to grind either way. Sure. But they have programs that you can buy a number of mutual funds, no load and no transaction fee. The problem they have, though, is there's usually a holding period, which I don't like. 90 days. You can't sell it within 90 days of your purchase. But you're probably not going to sell it that soon. But you know, for me, I don't like. restrictions but for you it'll probably be fine then once you do that you want to pick some good funds some very good funds where's the custodian now jason
3: scott trade
1: now okay scott trade is not a bad place to be you can buy mutual funds in scott trade even if you buy no load funds Mm -hmm. they might charge you a trading fee it's called a transaction fee find out what that is okay and my guess will be between 20 and 30 dollars Okay. You can do it from Scottrade. Just find no load, no transaction fee funds.
3: They've got a list of hundreds of funds okay. that are like that, that say that they're in their program with no commission or fee. Or Oh, anything.
1: perfect. They don't have a transaction fee?
3: Well, they've got a list of funds that don't, and it's a pretty respectable
2: list.
1: Then you're going to pick from that list, Jason, because I guarantee you there's at least four of them over there that are pretty good quality funds. Look for a good mid cap and maybe small-cap growth and value. And also, one of your four picks should be a international fund. Okay. Maybe 20% in the international.
3: Because I had debated over whether to have four funds like you just mentioned or just get one total market or S M 500 or some...
1: I understand that. And one of your funds could be an index fund. That's not a problem. If you're sticking with the market for long-term index funds, are fine. I would suggest, though... That you can probably do a little bit better if you find a good good manager in the mutual fund. So go to Morningstar.com and check out the funds. See what their ratings are. See how they're done against their peer group. Are they always in the top tier of their peer group? If they are, that's the fund you want.
3: When you look at the Morningstar, and they have four- and five-star funds, some folks have told me that five-star fund is maybe all played out and that you might want to look for a good four-star fund. Is that
1: correct or no? I'm right in line with those folks, whoever told you that. I like three- and four-star funds, the underachievers that are trying to be overachievers as opposed to the overachievers that have already achieved. I have found in my studies that five-star funds generally underperform going forward.
3: Should I be worried about the size of the fund at all or not? Yes.
1: Well, you're asking some good questions. I like not to have more than a couple of billion dollars. I like to have a few hundred million dollars under management. I don't like the big ones. Why? Because they become the whole market and you might as well buy an index fund. Yeah. So stay away from the big guys. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. Very good question. See, now that's a perfect question for everybody else to listen to. It's a really good question. Now, why won't some people buy a home? Then you know the American dream. Everybody wants to buy a home. Then this really is a case in point for the uh, gen, uh, for the millennials. That those those people in their early thirties now or mid thirties, I guess. They have good reasons not to. One is they like the flexibility where they can live where they want to. They don't. They're not stuck in a house because you have a mortgage at your house and you can't move to, to where you want to. A lot of them like to live in where the action is in cities. You know, big places where there's a lot more interesting things to do. They don't want to. They don't have time and don't want to do the maintenance. You know, uh, there's a lot of perks in some of these luxury apartment places. Perks, gymnasiums, and movie theaters, and massage areas. A lot, you know, the luxuries. So, yeah, that's good points. Yeah. So, I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investopedia program. Everybody, I thank you for your loyal support and all your questions. So, please come back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Friday, and of course, I'll be sharing my highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter that I'll be working on tonight. So, good night, everybody.